0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Welcome to Intercepted, presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Moscata. There's no Packers game this week, so I wanted to have a conversation um, that I've been trying to have for. A while, I figured, you know, the bye week is a perfect time to kind of rehash this thing. I'm joined here by Anna Wolf from Mississippi Today, who, if you aren't aware of Anna Wolf, you've almost certainly seen um, some of her headlines covering the Brett Favre story in Mississippi. Uh, Say what's up to people, Anna.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: I want to start this off. um, I believe, uh, at, at least of the last article I read, the scale of the Mississippi welfare fraud case is at 90 million dollars um if if i'm correct do you have a point of reference for like how large that scale is because i feel like people see these numbers on the front end right um and they say 90 million dollars there's so many zeros it's you, you can't point is this you know, the biggest in Mississippi, the biggest in the United States, is this happening everywhere? Like, what, what kind of a scale are we talking about in terms of the scandal?
0: As far as theft of public dollars, this is pretty large. Um, if you want to put it into the perspective of the grant, the federal grant that we get every year to fight poverty in Mississippi is about $86 million. And so that's, you know, more than a whole year's worth of this federal grant was sort of... Uh, frittered away by these officials, um, you know we're talking about money that could have gone to cash assistance to very poor families, childcare, things like food assistance and workforce training. These kinds of things. So certainly the um, the impact has been you know devastating.
1: So Brett Farr is involved in this. Um, born and raised in Mississippi, went to University of Southern Miss, but. I have been seeing like um, a couple things about where this money was supposed to be appropriated. You know, um, they try to use it not only for you know Brett Favre's daughter went to University of Southern Miss to play volleyball. They try to build a new arena there. Um, ended up getting it up. They tried to build a indoor football facility too. At one point, to attempt to recruit Deion Sanders' son, um, Deion Sanders, who you know took over. Uh, as the head football coach of Jackson State. You know, they uh, Larry Fitzgerald Sr. Um, just uh, tweeted out the other day with Mike Zimmer, former uh, NFL head coach, joined Deion Sanders' program at Colorado. He made a reference to, you know, like Mississippi's water not being clean. You have Deion Sanders' team. Entering the Colorado facility and some of these, you know, hype videos because he just took a new job, you know, they're trying to build excitement for the program. People in the background saying, you know, you can finally breathe clean. You know, this this money could have impacted the state of Mississippi, but there, I I was reading that there were so many um, qualifications put on some of these uh, dollars for like the city of Jackson specifically that they weren't actually able to like access some of these things. Is that, is that what's happening in Mississippi right now?
0: So it's a little bit hard to compare the different pots of money. You know, infrastructure mm-hmm. funding is not what we're talking about having been um, uh, stolen or misspent out of this welfare funding, but it's kind of, I mean, it is accurate to look at the picture overall and say, like, what is our priorities here? You know, what are we doing as a state? Like, why can't we get money to people living in poverty? Why can't we get money to the city of Jackson to fix the water issue? You know, I live in Jackson, so I've faced all of these issues myself with water in the home. And it kind of, you know, there is an overlap, even if, you know, we're not talking about the same pot of money, of course. Um, You know, a lot of people have asked me, like, where did all the money go? Because if we're talking about hundred million dollars, like how do you even visualize that? And you know, most people know about the five million that Brett Favre helped facilitate to get to the University of Southern Mississippi to build the volleyball stadium. They know about the two million that went to this pharmaceutical venture that he was uh, involved in. They know about the one million that he received for um, sort of an ad campaign that he did. For the welfare program. So where's the rest of the money? And it really is hard to articulate that because it's, it's not just, you know, 5 million here, you know, 10 million here. It is like line item. So many different organizations and uh, entities received this money improperly. Um, that really just goes to show how the controls had been broken down on, on, such a large scale. Like everyone was involved in misspending these funds um, sometimes not with their knowledge. Right. Um, it was just such a, uh, a system of uh, abuse that was perpetuated at the department of human services, which is the welfare agency that
1: oversees these funds. So right about now is probably when people start asking the question, how did FARV get, his hands on welfare money, right? So um, you mentioned it already. I believe it started with the pharmaceutical uh, startup, right? Which was essentially a nasal spray that was either, I I can't remember if it was to prevent or to assist in the recovery of concussions, which, you know, we're talking to football fans here. All they've heard about is concussions, concussions, concussions for about a decade. Doesn't seem like a nasal spray would, would be able to, Uh, prevent or assist in the recovery of that. So was that just a, a bunk pharmaceutical that was used to kind of, I don't know, mine money out out of the state welfare system?
0: Yeah, it's very questionable. And I think that in the way that I've seen him talk about this venture with his business partners and others, it's kind of like he's passionate about this topic, certainly. Um, And everyone wants to see, you know, some progress in that, um, in that field. But whether or not he really thought it was going to work, you know, it, that didn't matter for making money from his perspective. So there were conversations where, like, he talked about how much money he could make, you know, even if the trail the trials did fail, right? Um, now, yes. So his involvement in the welfare program actually started with the volleyball stadium, and from our understanding at this point, he was introduced to this nonprofit founder named Nancy New, who was receiving all of these tens of millions of dollars from the welfare department. He was um, introduced by the athletic uh, director and athletic folks at USM. And so Brett Favre came to the university with the idea of, I want to build this stadium, I will raise money to do it. And, you know, he kind of struck out on some of his like friends and, you know, business connections in terms of actually getting the money. And so Um, Eventually, the university introduced him to Nancy New, who had this, you know, gigantic pot of pretty much no strings attached welfare money. Um, And then that's how the conversation started that, you know, well, if we can make this look like it's a facility that's going to help the underprivileged. And it's not just a volleyball stadium, then maybe we can use the money in that way. And that's where, you know, that's where the the charges have come in, the allegations that this was a concerted effort to circumvent uh, federal prohibitions
1: around this money. And this is so that's where it gets really interesting to me. Right. Because he has not at this point been criminally charged when other people have been criminally charged. So. Nancy New um, pleaded guilty to welfare fraud. John Davis, the executive director of the Department of Human Services, who is, I believe, appointed by the governor, if I remember this correctly, to kind of oversee, like, the welfare money. They've both pleaded guilty. But the two people who haven't necessarily been touched are the former governor and Brett Favre, at least in terms of the criminal trial. He's been named in the civil trial um, just, I, I believe, two weeks ago, if I have the timeline correctly. Favre said that he didn't want to be involved in the civil trial, was trying to get his name dropped, and essentially said, I didn't know where the money came from. But then you have these texts that have come out already where he's asking Nancy New, Hey, can the media find out it, it, you know where this money came from? Um, even beyond just that, which you know raises suspicion of did he actually know where this money was come from? Is he involved in this in a in a deeper way than? You know, just being handed a bag of cash and saying, "Yeah, we we have it um he asked if prison labor could be used to keep the project under budget um do we have any indication that you know they're actually like whoever's investigating this is actually trying to go after you know the the former governor and or Brett Farb as like the big fish because the f b i is still involved, even though you know again. Nancy New and John Davis have already pleaded guilty?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And the people who have pled guilty so far, namely John Davis and Nancy New, are cooperating with prosecutors. And back in September, when John Davis pled guilty to both state and federal charges, um, which, by the way, were the first federal charges brought in this entire scandal uh, surrounding welfare. So after, you know, almost two and a half years, um, the feds have, they work slowly, they work quietly, but- Out on the court, uh, courthouse steps, the DA in, um, our area said that John Davis was a crucial, you know, get for them, a crucial, um, uh, plea because they were moving up the ladder. And I think that that was, that was a significant uh, statement that he made. And it signals that they are looking at folks higher up. Obviously, if they're giving generous plea deals, that's what they're doing. And there's really only Brett, uh, Brett Favre and Phil Bryant, you know, above John Davis. So I would say that um, we're just kind of waiting to see what the feds do if they feel like um, Brett Favre's actions have rose to that level of, you know, warranting an indictment. Um, this most recent filing in the civil case was an amended complaint brought by the Welfare Department where they are alleging that he, um, Brett Favre made a personal guarantee to fund the construction of the volleyball stadium. And that, and that, uh, you know, in that case, if he solicited this money, then he received a benefit from that, right? If he was supposed to put up his own money, but he solicited this money from somewhere else, that's where, you know, you might see him actually personally benefiting from that. And that's, that's going to be important in, you know, determining what kind of charges he faces. So, um, you know, of course, the attorneys are going to say that he never made a personal guarantee to fund the construction, that he only agreed to uh, fundraise for it. And that's something that I feel like is it's a significant distinction and it will have to be fleshed out in court. Um, but there are some messages that we obtained that give some insight to that, um, because when the construction was close to wrapping up and they needed more money to finish it out in early 2020, uh, FarV again went out to um, different government officials, even our current governor, Tate Reeves, to try to secure the funding. And they were talking about working with potentially the Department of Health, the Department of Rehabilitation Services, basically anyone that they could convince that this volleyball stadium actually existed for the purpose of like fighting obesity and hosting events where they would encourage teenagers to not get pregnant, for example, so that they could justify using grant money for the expense. But at the end of the day, when things were coming down to the wire, Favre texted these um, officials, you know, if need be, I will just pay it. And so that doesn't necessarily prove that he was obligated to finance the project, but like, why else would he be the one holding the bag at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, and I think one one thing that's been particularly tricky about this, it seems, is talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? Where. um on on one side, Farf says he has no idea where this money came from. So they received $4 million in welfare money from what I've read. And then 1.1 on top of that for him to do radio ads on, on behalf of the state. He's paid back the 1.1 but hasn't paid back the $4 million because he says, you know, I didn't know where it came from. Therefore, you know, I, I'm not obligated to, to kind of put up that money for the stadium. And then on the other side, the way that they wrote those grants – for the arena was to fit it under the guise of this is for public welfare and therefore you can you know this is this is legal it's clear it's wasn't it it didn't end up being legal and they actually knew where the money was coming from so that puts Favre in a really weird spot based off of like two almost competing narratives about what what was happening with the money at the time right
0: yeah I mean I think a lot of people have asked me like did Brett Favre know that it was TANF money? TANF is temporary assistance for needy families. That's the welfare cash assistance program born out of welfare reform in the 90s. Did Brett Favre know it was TANF money? I'm like, did Brett Favre know what TANF was? I mean, right. is that really the question that we're asking here? Like, I don't think it's I don't think it's uh necessarily that the, the question is if he knew if it was TANF money. Did he know that he had to skirt around something in order to get this money? And I think the, um, the idea that he was trying to justify uh, getting the money by saying it was that this, that this facility was all these different things other than what it was, which is a volleyball stadium in actuality, I think is the more important point here.
1: Yeah, I just keep thinking about that text to new, right? Of what will, will the media figure out where this money is coming from. And I don't know that, if that, Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, that, that purchase in itself was circumventing the rules. So, you know, at that point there was some barriers put up to like, are we really going to be able to spend this grant money on brick and mortar construction, which is strictly prohibited in federal statute. And Brett is like, well, if we can't give it directly to the construction you know, company. Yeah can you give it to me for PSAs and then I can give it to, you know, fund this construction. And I think that that's the same kind of circumvention that we're seeing in uh, in the grant agreement, you know, trying to say that this was a facility for underprivileged people.
1: I have a couple more questions. Um, is there any chance that there are more text messages out there that could harm FARM in the future? Like where, where would, in discovery... Where would those text messages have to come from if if New is already cooperated, if Davis is already cooperated? Would it have to be a situation where the governor and or Brett Favre would then have to cooperate with the feds to kind of roll over on the other target? Is, Is that where we're at in this kind of chain of succession at this point?
0: Yeah, and you're already seeing Brett Favre in some of his recent filings trying to bring the former governor into the fold. So former governor Phil Bryant, you know, was was pretty instrumental and was having conversations about using the money in this way uh, prior to this. And he hasn't been named, right? He hasn't been charged. And so I, I think you've seen Brett Favre sort of try to, to roll over um, on Bryant. And then Bryant is also being subpoenaed for text messages right now that he has not released. And that is actually a court battle that's ongoing. So the judge will have to determine at some point whether Phil Bryant has to turn over all of his text messages with Brett Favre. That's not, that has not been provided in totality to the public yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what comes of that because at this point, attorneys have sort of, uh, included piecemeal Text message threads into the court case, and what is missing from there, or you know the, the the dates and times where there are no messages provided. That's kind of you know what we've got our sights on, and, and are interested to see if there's anything in those
1: holes. Some people at this point are probably wondering, well, why haven't they been charged? Is is this just a? Because you know, I'm not a lawyer, I, I don't cover the law on a daily basis. Um, is is this a situation where? you know, the state slash feds are just being conservative in terms of who they're charging until they know they can kind of, you know, get them to, to plead guilty or cooperate in the same way that they had, you know, new and Davis do. Is that the, is that the main reason why, you know, the former governor and or Favre haven't been charged at this point?
0: I think the feds are much more careful with the charges that they bring. And so the state brought its charges against these original six people, um, including John Davis and Nancy New back in 2020. And so, you I mean your question is is well founded that like how why is it taken so long? But I think that the feds didn't get energized until more recently. And so we lost a lot of ground there over like a two-year period where there wasn't a lot of movement on the criminal investigation side. Until, frankly, we released all these text messages back in April. So when we released messages that showed, you know, not only was, you know, Nancy New and John Davis doing these things, but Brett Favre and the governor at the time were actually discussing putting public money, public welfare money into this pharmaceutical venture, uh, for example, that Nancy New and John Davis are taking all of the, you know, the brunt of the blame for I think that really energized the feds. It, it gave them no choice really, but to pursue it a little further. So I think that, um, even though it's been two and a half years, I don't think that they've been like, you know, actively, uh, investigating, uh, Phil Bryant, for example, for, for that whole time. So I think that we could see something, um, fairly soon. There are, um, sentencings scheduled for early next year. Now those can always get pushed, but, You know, none of these people are going to be sentenced to prison until um, they're, you know, the feds are basically done with them until that investigation gets further to a conclusion.
1: And what, what kind of time are we trying to see, or or could we potentially see for not only those who have already pleaded guilty, but like for the governor or for far, I I guess it's kind of tough because they haven't been charged yet. Right. So you don't know what they're being charged with. So you don't know how many years, but what kind of, you know prison time would you potentially see or or, or fines or, or what, what are we looking at here in terms of punishment?
0: It is really hard to say just because, you know, there's so much that happens in the, in the plea process that, that dictates that like John Davis, for example, got some like 32 years in prison, but that's not a real sentence. That's what he got sentenced to on paper, but in actuality, you know, he's not looking at any more than 10 max in federal prison and, uh, even that is like a huge number that's not going to happen. Um, and no time in the state case, cause he'll be spending all of his state time in the federal prison. So and that's like, that's really the generous part, right? That's the, that's the, the agreement that everyone wants to get is that they won't spend any time in, in Mississippi prisons, which are horrible. Um, so, you know, I don't think, I mean, I mean, that's still a good chunk of time. If, if they get five years, I think that is, um, I, I'm not going to make an assessment of whether it's just or not, but I do think that um, five years is a decent sentence.
1: As far as the other lawsuit, because, you know, there's the, there's the civil lawsuit too. Um, Barb is named in that one. Well, what's, what's the process of that one looking like? Cause I feel like, you know, and rightfully so people are, are paying more attention to kind of like the, uh, the criminal situation, but the civil lawsuit does have Farb named. How is that case kind of progressing?
0: Yeah, that that case has been kind of a roller coaster because the attorney who initially brought the case was fired back over the summer and a new um, a def- um, plaintiff's team came on after that. Um, and so they've just filed this new amended complaint that I mentioned that um brings the volleyball stadium into the fold of the actual civil complaint and um and and I think that that, that complaint makes a little bit of a um, nuanced different arguments about why these defendants you know are being charged and what they're liable for and so um there will be depositions in the case you know unless it gets like thrown out for some reason it will um the pro- the progression of it will be there'll be depositions which I think will be very fruitful for, you know, getting more information out there. Um, And, and, and that case will, you know, proceed normally. Um, There are, you know, dozens of people and companies being charged in that case. And so it is a massive, um, you know, undertaking and it is, it could go on for
1: quite a while. One last question um, before we get you out of here, you know, Brett Favre, a, a lot of people who grew up watching the Packers, like, Brett Favre was their guy. They kind of looked at him as, like, you know, old gunslinger, just, like, good old country boy, all that stuff. Is this just a case of him not realizing the consequences of his actions, almost in the same way that we've kind of seen it on on the football field of – I mean, his daughter was going to play at the University of Southern Miss at the – you know, in theory, playing in that volleyball arena – But just for a couple of years and now he's facing, you know, potential federal prison time for these actions. Is is this just a situation of, you know, a a person who's had a lot of things break right for them, just kind of taking advantage of a situation and not even thinking of these decisions beyond one step of, hey, I can get some money to do this thing that I want to do. I don't care what comes with it.
0: I mean, I think it's entitlement. I think it's the attitude that even if this is wrong, I'm not going to get in trouble for it. Um, I'm not the one that's going to, you know, take the fall for it. Um, someone else is. And, you know, I just think that, I mean, everyone in this story kind of enabled each other, right? In mm. terms of their mentality around what this money was supposed to be used for and the ways that they kind of deluded themselves into thinking that what they were doing was okay because- you know, maybe the money wasn't going to go to, um, meaningful purposes anyway. And, and, or like it wasn't going to solve poverty anyway. So why not just do, you know, make Brett Favre's dream come true. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, that that's a huge, uh, element of it. And just this like good old boys club that, um, you know, we're just getting a glimpse into this, but this is, this is basically how this government works here.
1: Uh, Anna Wolf, Mississippi Today, um, thanks for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom, keeping us up to date. I hope, you know, some of our listenership um, learned a couple of things about this case uh, through listening to this. And just wish uh, it were on better terms for the for yeah. state. Keep, keep up the good work. Um, again, go read Anna Wolf, Mississippi Today. She's been doing a great job covering this.
0: Thank you. Thanks for shining a light on it.